0: In Tumut, Lake Charm Lightning Ridge, or underneath the Story Bridge, they're listening to Australia. Sunday morning. Well it's interesting lockdown is a word but the experience of what that means in different cities and different countries is is very very varied and I think that's what's being noticed. This is lockdown version 4 here in marvellous Melbourne and and Victoria and it's tough it's tough for everybody and one of the difficulties is that there's a lovely little, uh, I saw something on anti social media going (laughs) um, we're not all in the same boat but we're all in the same storm and I think we need to remember that because it does impact everybody differently and uh, it's tough and uh, but we've got to get through this. It's like being on expedition or being at sea, you, you've just got to hunker down and keep looking at that horizon and keep being positive and as you were saying earlier, you know, keep an eye out for each other and go for a walk, connect with nature and see what's ahead. As you know, we are a nation of principalities first and a country second. It
1: me up
2: when I feel down. I'll wait all week for Macca on a Sunday morning.
0: There's Aussies out there doing things, raising money, pulling strings, helping make a place we're really proud of. Doesn't matter who you are, on Sunday morning, you're the star. You're all in Macca's green room on a Sunday morning.
3: Exactly.
0: Exactly. I start my week with Macca Me too. On Sunday morning.
3: How are you kids? Good morning and welcome. A nation of principalities. <laughs> That's what we are. Ah, oh, dear, oh dear, oh dear. And speaking of lockdown, uh, Jonathan just rang from Port Phillip Bay where it's very cold, but he said he'd been in the Barbara Forest and looking at Brumbies, but he said he's just bred a horse, and the horse's name is? It's a thoroughbred. His name is? Lockdown. You get your money on that one, kids. <laughs> he's only a little colt. He's not racing yet, but uh, how are you? It's nice to be with you. Uh, all sorts of things this morning. I said earlier this morning, I bet there's some electricity bills you can't jump over in this winter. I I never never had it. Well, I had a heater. I never used it um, for the last whatever. But this winter, this is a cold one. I'm giving you the tip where I live. It's a cold one. So I bought a heater. But I bet there's some electricity bills you can't jump over. Other things to tell you about the Football World Cup. I just was reading the other day in the sports section of the Oz, and it's not a bit... The World Cups, uh, certainly for Australian teams, the World Cups where all the all the rugby league nations play, you know, is England and France, I think, still. Does South Africa still have a team? I'm not sure. That was in the olden days. Um, South Africa had a team and, you know, the Pacific Islands have teams, Tonga and Fiji and stuff like that. But anyway, I was reading about that and they've, they've said no when the Australian team's not going to England because of COVID. But... And they said, it's up to the clubs whether we. This is Peter Volandis, who's the boss of rugby league. He says, he said, we'll always put human life ahead of money and self interest. Um, what the head of the British rugby league doesn't understand is that there are 40,000 positive tests per day in England at the moment. That's 40,000 positive tests for COVID. I suppose that's a new variant. But the figure that concerns me, uh, said Mr. Mr. Volandis, is 600,000 per week that get a message on their app to go into 14-day isolation because they have come in close contact with someone. 600,000 per week get the call from... Wow, that's uh, very sobering stuff, very sobering stuff. I thought you'd be interested in that. And the other thing is my little... I've told you about my little Pacific Blue Eyes. Have I got my little poem there somewhere about my Pacific Blue Eyes? But they're my little native Australian fish and... I think they're all up and down the east coast. They're just a little tiny small fish, and I didn't want goldfish. I'm not into goldfish anymore. When you're a kid, you like goldfish, but these are little Aussie fish. And the first lot I had, which I think came from Queensland, carked it one winter because they couldn't put up with the cold, but it wasn't that cold, but they're from Queensland. So a couple of years ago, I got... Some more, but they came from New South Wales and they're used to a bit more cold. And last winter they survived, but this winter I can't find them. Now, they are very grey in colour. They they're don't stand out, even though they've got little blue eyes. But I think they're gone because they survived last year in winter, but they haven't survived, I don't think, this winter. I'll let you know, but it's its just interesting, isn't it? Yes, Ian, it is. Our number this morning thirteen hundred seven hundred triple two. 1300 700 wherever you are. Good morning, Maka. It's snowing quite heavy, heavy in Hartley Vale, uh, New South Wales. We're at 860 metres. Hartley Vale's in the Blue Mountains area. Um, Maka, I'm on my way to work. I live in Culborough, just over two hours' drive south of Sydney. The contrast is amazing. You'd hardly notice any impact of COVID here. There you go. There you go, there you go. Um, And... Uh, um, he says uh, we were watching whales and dolphins off the beach yesterday afternoon. Now heading up to Sydney. Um, I've just stopped and said good morning to V H O G A O J A Qantas's first seven four seven four hundred in recognition of the first anniversary of the Qantas seven four seven fleet retirement. I trained hundreds of pilots on the seven forty seven, says Steve. Over the past twenty years, and I'm now training some of those pilots during their conversion to the Boeing seven eight seven Dreamliner. Says Steve. Good on you, Steve. Oh, wow. The 787 Dreamliner, hey? Uh, Macca says Marco Feltrin. You were talking about World War II bombs and landmines this morning. In 2009, a distant cousin of mine, we mentioned it last week, a distant cousin of mine was working father's workshop in northern Italy. They fixed farm equipment. A farmer bought in his plough that had a rock lodged in it that he couldn't remove. My distant cousin, who was 21, tried to dislodge the rock but also couldn't. So they decided to cut it out with an oxy-torch. Unfortunately, it was a World War Two bomb and it exploded in the process, killing the 21-year-old. He was a grandson of my father's cousin. Unexploded bombs. Did you ever see that show, Danger UXB? <laughs> you'd, you'd, it was a TV. I'm not sure if it was um, Channel 4 or BBC or whatever it was, but it was... Um, very scary. I mean, what a job. What a job. And I told you that story last week. It was at Finland or somewhere or Sweden where the German prisoners war after the war were made to de all those mines that were in the beach. And a lot of them were killed. Anyway, uh, 1300 700 that's our number. G'day, this is Macca. Morning, Maga Yeah, hey, g'day. day. McQueen, Kyogre. Athel, McQue- Ma- Athel McQueen, how are you, Athel? Good, mate, good.
4: I'm uh, a bit tired from the Olympics and they've just started, mate, but you know, you can sit up to the law houses at night watching them, but it's, it's good. I didn't think they'd ever get off the ground.
3: No, I didn't. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Athel McQueen, and Athel uh, was a boxer and he. Uh, fought in the Olympics. Did you go to K- Tokyo in the... Uh, w- Tokyo, 1964. Wow. And who did you fight there?
4: Joe Frazier.
3: Oh, <laughs> that's right. Joe. Oh, you're a legend. He fought Joe Frazier, ladies and gentlemen, and he made a couple of mistakes. Tell us the mistakes you made, Ethel.
4: Well, I went to the school and talking to the kids and uh, one little fellow wasn't interested in what I was talking about and he said... What what was the biggest mistake you made, Mr. McQueen? I said I made a couple. One was getting in with Joe Frazier, and the other one was getting up after he knocked me down the first time. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: I like Joe Frazier. I reckon he was just as good as Ali. He was a tough man, yeah. wasn't he?
4: Yeah, tough, tough, tough. I fought the Japanese first up, Yeah, and uh, I'll tell you a little story. My mother lost a brother in the war, and she never, ever forgave the Japanese, which them days was... On par, you know, and she uh, was my best uh, backup. And she said, Look, when you get over there, if you get a chance, you know what to do with the Jap. Anyhow, when we got over there, the draw come out for the heavyweight boxing, and uh, Australia drew Japan first up. So, you know, the poor buggery never stood a chance of beating me because every time I give him one, I give him one for mum, too. <laughs> <laughs>
3: There you go. So, Athol, you're be, be sitting in and watching the uh, – do they show much of the boxing? No, not a lot, mate, not a lot. No, I bet you'd like to watch it. I suppose uh, – has boxing changed a lot, do you reckon, as you watch it yes, from, since your yes, day? It,
4: yes, it has changed a heck of a lot. When you see a, an ex-footballer making, getting a million dollars to, to box, it's, uh, it's outrageous.
3: It is, isn't it? But uh, yeah, there you go. It's, That's it's, crazy. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's always it's a bit um, it's all showbiz. I mean, it's, I suppose it was all sh- always showbiz. Um, when you had a great fight, you know, even Jack Johnson versus whatever he was it Tommy Burns or yeah, uh, yeah, those sort of things. They they were they were a huge thing. But I wish
4: Joe Frazier was show. Yes,
3: well, <laughs> he. I, I liked. I saw that that movie. Um, no, it wasn't a movie, it was a doco about fighting and, and it showed all the, um, I think it interviewed all the opponents of Ali and, and, you know, poor boys from the streets and probably had criminal backgrounds and stuff like that, never had a chance, probably broken homes and all that sort of stuff, but somehow poignant to, to listen to them talk about, you know, their their days and their fights and, and especially Joe, because Ali slagged him terribly, didn't he? In, yeah, in Joe way.
4: backed Ali all the way.
3: Yeah, there you go. He
4: didn't give him money when he was short, you yeah. know. Yeah, but Ali didn't couldn't say a good word no. at the time. It was showmanship.
3: Yeah, exactly. Athol, yeah, um, yeah are you still training? Do you still um, go for a walk or whatever?
4: No, no. I was born 1941, and uh, the walking part's just about ended. But as uh, soon as Brisbane got the Olympics for '32, I rang up Paul Thompson that run the boxing in the uh, 2000 Olympics in Sydney and the uh, Commonwealth Games at the Gold Coast, I went, uh, the wife and I went up and gave him a hand for a couple of weeks up there, and I said, count me in, mate, count me in, that I might be in a wheelchair. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Good on you, Athol. Great to talk to you, mate. OK, mate. All the best, maker. Thanks, Ethel. Bye. mate. Thanks, Athol. Bye. Yeah. bye mate. I should have asked Athol about Kyogre. it be cool in Kyogre. I noted the other day in the paper that Australia's oldest man, uh, Dexter Kruger, passed away at 111. 111 he was. Um, it's just beyond, isn't it? We used to talk sometimes to our friend um, Gilbert, and he passed away. He was 106. I went to his funeral, but he was 106 when he passed away. But Dexter passed away the other day at 111. But Dexter rang us one morning, when he was a much younger man. He was, uh, look, uh, he was... I think he was only 106. This this was Dexter when he rang us five years ago. G'day, this is Macca. Hello. G'day, Macca. Yep.
0: Yeah, Dexter Kruger. G'day, Dexter. Yes, I wanted to tell you about a, a special birthday I had.
3: What birthday was this, Dexter?
0: It was my 106th. Was, it was, was. It was not. I was 106 on the 13th of January, <laughs> and and I and I live in in, in a retirement home, and my. Grandson has a Harley Davidson motorbike, and he he called here on my birthday. And oh, I
3: don't like where this is going, Dexter. Continue.
0: <laughs> and he called for me on, on a Harley Davidson motorbike, and I got on the back of that, and we went. It's about a bit less than a, a, a k to the church, but he he took me all around the streets and that for about a quarter of an hour. I
3: don't Um, think that's legal for a 106 uh, year old. And and uh, and I'm 106 years old. You're a possum. Yeah, we'll sing you happy birthday Dexter. Here we go again. Happy Happy birthday birthday to you. Happy
5: birthday to you. you. Happy birthday birthday, dear Dexter. Happy Happy
0: birthday to you.
3: Jackson, that's amazing. You are amazing. 106 in a rod.
0: Yes, and so it, it was a wonderful way to start off. With a, it was early in the morning, yeah. about this time, and then we had a, a, a really sumptuous morning tea. After after I passed my time away here writing. Yes, I have written a lot of anecdotal stories, odd things that occurred during my lifetime. I've been what good health! I get about on my own. I have a, a, a wheelie walker. And I've seen two world wars and the big depression and yeah, lots of things. I am a cattleman all my life, and and I only retired at the age of ninety six.
3: Well, that's. A, I mean, it's. I think that's. I'm thinking about retiring at ninety six. I think yeah, that's. Yeah. A, <laughs> that's a, about the right age to retire. Well, and and yeah, everyone well, here's nodding in agreement. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I never was a big strong fellow. My claim is that with the strength of half a man, I'd done the work of a man and a half. I'm the oldest person this side of the black stump.
3: Dexter it's lovely to talk to you. I'll see you in Roma sometime.
0: Righto. Thank
3: you. He was only half a man but he did the work of a man and a half. Isn't that lovely? Dexter. 111 give me a break. God. And 188 days nearly 112. The Australia's oldest man passes away Dexter. And a lot of people went to see him. I think he's lived in Roma, and maybe he read his book or his little his little pieces that he wrote. Um, g'day, this is Macca.
2: Yeah, Macca, how are you going? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, it's Rodney, mate. Hi, Rod. Yeah, I just uh, you were speaking about being uh, lucky. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've never actually been lucky, uh, you know, uh, in my life in the way of buying lotto tickets because I've been buying them for a long time now, <laughs> and. Um, and I always used to register my tickets. And yeah. then one day I, I woke up and I decided that uh, I wasn't going to register my tickets. I actually got the card. I cut it up. And uh, I started walking around the house at home, uh, talking to myself, saying, I'm going to win lotto, I'm going to win lotto. My wife and my daughter were laughing, saying, yeah, whatever. And then the next day, uh, I actually won uh, 60 grand off uh, the set for life.
3: Well, there you go. Um <laughs> well that's uh yes <laughs> the power of posi- it's crazy the power of positive thinking, Rodney
2: yeah, I think it was just the mindset you know I think a lot of people don't believe that they can win it, and uh I think just changing that uh, you know that mindset of maybe being a little bit more positive, believing that you can win it um, i don't know if that's got anything to do with it, but I certainly tried it and um and uh yeah and uh I ended up getting second division. Uh, I was only actually one number of oh, winning first division. Oh, dear.
3: And how much would you have won, uh, Rodney?
2: 4.8 million.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and oh. I actually got the SUP number. So I got all the six numbers, and I got the SUP number. That oh. was the only number that I missed out on.
3: Oh, don't you just hate that. Well, keep walking around the house and talking to yourself, Rodney. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, right. you know what I think, you know, when an assistant says, oh, $80 million tonight, and I think, what does one person need with $80 million? The winner should get, you know, five or maybe ten, and then it should go down so that if you, if I ever go in one of those, i get, oh, yes, it goes ding, 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 and you've won, yes, $9.50. um, yeah. <laughs> or yeah, something yeah. like yep. that, you know. I think $80 million could go a long way between, you know, a hundred people. So um, anyway, well, the
2: great the great thing about the set for life is, uh, Macca, is that that you actually buy one ticket and it lasts for seven days. Uh-huh. So it goes for every night of the week for seven days. So you just buy the one ticket, and then obviously um, you go and check it or you register it or so forth. But you've only got to buy the one ticket instead of going Monday and Wednesday and buying all these different tickets, and then they pay it every month. So it's, it's put into your bank account on the fifteenth of every month. Uh huh. And the 60000 is distributed at $5,000 a month for 12 months, so you can't spend it all.
3: Oh, well, there you go. All right, good on you, Rod. Uh, what do you do for a living?
2: I'm an interstate truck driver.
3: All right, and you live in Byron Bay?
2: No, I'm actually in Byron Bay now having a rest. I've just come up from Sydney. I left Sydney uh, around about 8.30 uh, last night, and I'm about an hour and a quarter away from the depot. We do all our uh, food, uh, foods, uh, Walworth's, Aldi's and Coles and so forth. And you're busy? Yeah, yeah, we're We're really busy at the moment, but it's actually become quite a uh, a bit of a mission at the moment because we've got these uh, really uh, heavy restrictions on us, Mm -hmm. Uh, border passes and so forth. Uh, We've got to be swab tested uh, every three days to make sure that we're COVID free. And when you're trying to juggle everything with your restrictions and uh, swab testing and trying to work and fit everything in, um, it becomes quite challenging.
3: No, I'm sure. I'm sure, Rodney. I mean... Your job a job's a hard enough thing to do at any time, let alone um, with all the restrictions that seem to be going on. But I suppose we've just got to grin and bear it and hopefully we'll come through the other side.
2: Well, a lot of people don't realise, Maka, there, there are thousands of us on the road that actually supply the food chain. And, um, you know, we're all out here trying to do a job and, um, and under the circumstances we're putting ourselves at risk as well. Of course. And it's one of those, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know... Um, without trucks australia stops
3: and yeah. uh i you know yeah i know i you don't have to tell me mate i just yeah without the truck drivers and the and the little van drivers cuz everyone's getting stuff home delivered but they've got to if the home delivering stuff it arrives in trucks in the first place so yeah you've yeah. got you've got my yeah. um full support rodney
2: no thank you very much i thank you for the opportunity too
3: maker all right and keep walking around the house as i said
2: <laughs> yeah I won't be doing it at work, that's for sure. (laughs) Good on you. Good talking to you.
3: Uh, G'day, this is Macca.
1: Monica from Adam How are you?
3: Good, thanks, Monica.
1: Oh, my Lord, the snow this morning. It's taken me over an hour and a half to do 54 kilometres into uh, Sir William, the nursing home in Cooma. It's been horrendous. Wow. The snowy 2.0 buses are all on the side of the road putting chains on. Um, and I've just managed to plough through, thank God. There you
3: go. You, you you got chains on or no?
1: No, I've got four-wheel drive. So mm. I just um, whack her in and, and keep going. But I've been down to, I don't know, 10 kilometres at times. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's just been coming at me so heavily um, and built up really badly as well. So the plows are aren't out yet. So I've just done the whole trip with the posts on the side of the road because you can't see any any lines anywhere.
3: Now, where are you now? Are you in Cooma?
1: I'm in Cooma now. Is yeah. it,
3: it's not snowing in Cooma, is
1: it? Oh, no, just on the out, outskirts, yes.
3: Uh-huh, wow. Hey.
1: Yes, so all, all the way
3: wow it 's always exciting for us who live in in this um, wide brown country, which is full of dust and droughts mostly um, yeah. and when it snows like this, um, I remember i don 't know it must have been twenty years ago there was big snowfalls and even in you know um, in victorian country countryside um, because i I heard the other day there was a sheep weather alert when i haven 't heard one of those for ages it 's a different winter this one. There's something magic about snow, but not if you have to deal with it every day and piling up no, and stuff it's,
1: yeah and then do a full day's work on top of it
3: but good on you money
1: take care mate
3: mark's at port macquarie good morning mark Hey, day how you going mate yeah good thank you what's uh, what's happening what are you doing you out and about well, or you're in bed or what yeah, are
6: you just just chilling on a sunday morning um i don't come down every morning but like for example yesterday after sunrise i saw a sea eagle that it, it, uh, caught a fish and i was heading back to its nest um, but this morning, uh, the sun isn't quite over the horizon yet. But uh, to my left is a couple of, it looks like maybe three or four dolphins in the mouth of the river, uh, like out, out, out into the ocean, but uh-huh. they're playing around. And um, about a, two minutes ago, I'm trying to see whether it is there or not, but even potentially a humpback whale, They looked like it, it was uh, not breaching or anything, but just doing its little thing where you see the... The little you know the top of it but i'm just keeping an eye whether it is really that or it's just the figment of my imagination but <laughs> um I've, but they are they are coming up the coast uh some friends saw some yesterday so uh
3: so you you're uh, down on the beach are you
6: no i'm up actually i'm up on one of the headlands which um just just quickly uh maca uh, port macquarie celebrating its uh 200 years since european settlement anyway where where I am is where where they first built the jail when uh, when the settlement was created and uh-huh. we were the first we were the, it was the third settlement after uh, Sydney and Newcastle in eighteen
3: twenty one. Wow, uh-huh. and they had so a, they had a jail there too, didn't they? Of course.
6: Yeah, yeah. It's 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 no longer here now. It's all apartments, looking very very posh. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but the actual land that, that there's a section headland where where it's called Jail Point. Uh, and then that was all put together with the, one of the uh, with the local Lions Club. But um,
3: and that's where you yeah. are this morning, out there on in, in the headland.
6: Yeah, so I can see the river. Uh, sorry, the the beach down below, and then the sun. It's just starting to not quite, not quite be over the horizon. And then there's a shipping container heading north uh,
3: with a boat, of course, not <laughs> and just a <the> ship.
6: <laughs> just pulled his thumb up because he can hear me on his radio. Well, there you go.
3: <laughs> so, what do you do, Mark?
6: Uh, well. I, unfortunately, I'm not working. Um, I was a nurse, but uh, we won't really go into that. But, right. uh, um, yeah, I, I, I'm i trying to redirect my career as such. But in general, um, yeah, you're
3: that's just, basically where I'm at. You're just chilling at the moment. Yeah, that's the way.
6: Yeah, I, um, it's it, you call that, that, that thing they call burnout. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, well, I can imagine that. I can imagine that. You don't go for a swim. The water's pretty cool at the moment.
6: Uh, i 'm not a big swimmer, to be honest uh not and it 's not not that i don 't want to and certainly winter's not a big big element um of it Though i can I can count about ten surfers,
3: yeah um, all in their wetsuits, all in their wetsuits obviously in their wet
6: suits. the wetsuits. Swirl, the swell the swell's not you know not it 's not bigish i 'd say it 's probably about half a meter yeah. Um, but there's about 10 of them out there, so they're the diehards.
3: I like winter for some reason, um, you know, there's things happen, you know, you get the winter storms and you get the lovely big sets of waves, if as long as they're not too destructive, and as Monica said, there's a lot of snow around down there, where down Coombe away, out of mid So me, it,
6: it sure is, mate, it sure is, Marco, and uh, Mike's first experience of snow was about as an eight-year-old, just after the completion of the Snowy Scheme, and we never got. To, I never got to actually walk in the snow, but I could see it on Kosciuszko. But uh,
3: yeah, there you go. Then, All so, right. Uh, Good I'm on you. Been a
6: fantastic part of the world. Thanks, Maka.
3: Good on you, Mark. Thanks, mate. Jonathan's in, in or on Port Phillip Bay. Morning, John.
7: No, thank goodness, I'm not in it, but uh, I'm on it, and I'm looking across it. The moons just lit up the whole bay, just about. It's, um, but it's freezing, Maka. <laughs> It is freezing. But, but look, the purpose of this call, I was going to give you a quick call last week, um, just before lockdown. Um, I got unbearable at home, and uh, my wife said we're, we're heading off. And she's got a um, a little van called Frida, which is the feminine for freedom. Mm. And we headed off to uh, Barma Forest, um, which is up on the Murray. Yeah. Um, it was fascinating, Macca. It was just... Um, my my normal um, escape was on my motorbike. The last one ride we did with seven mates was um, uh, Buenos Aires through to Rio. So it was a bit of a, it was a, bit of a change going from um, Melbourne to Bath Forest, but it was just the best four days I've ever had. Pulled up at the pub. Uh, I'd started taking photos of the food, which gave us away that we were from Melbourne. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I love people who take photos of their food. It, it kills me. Um, well,
7: I, I, I reckon they'd taken the palmer out with a shovel and put it on the plate. It was so big. <laughs> it, yeah, it wasn't hard to pick the uh, <laughs> the visitor. Yeah. Um, so we free parked in um, in the Barmer forest, and and as always happens, Mako, um, Frida, she's just like an old grandfather. It, it's just you feel so safe in her. Um, but what brought to mind was the discussion last week they were saying about parts being brought in by I'm sure that the uh, the uh, shower in Frida was made in Japan because I got stuck um, trying to get into it to have a shower in the morning, um, which, which at, at minus one by the river wasn't that much fun. Anyway, I digress. Just the purpose of this call was to then, we were sitting by the fire and as often happens, this bloke came over and he said, you want some firewood? Because we'd been collecting it. And, and uh, he, he brought out his, um, the next morning he brought out his still, uh, uh, whatever it is, and cut up this beautiful red gum for us. Mm. And then, now, you've got to see the Brumbies. And he said, now, tonight, if you hear a noise, don't worry. He said, that's the Brumbies running through the forest. So we didn't hear them at night, but the next morning we got out of bed, frozen, um, and uh, went and looked for Brumbies. And Macca, I can't tell you, just the sight when we came across them, it was just brilliant. <laughs> um, uh, there was this magnificent stallion, and there were three lots of them, three stallions, all had five poles um, uh, or whatever they were with them. Every time he moved, they moved. He didn't take his eye off us. And when we got really close, um, he would just stab his foot and have a crack at you. Really? And here were these wild horses. But the purpose of just telling you the story was that on the way in, it had where the Yorta Yorta, which is their, that's their area. Yep. And the parks are trying to um, rub them out, which I thought was pretty sad when I saw this. But... Anyway, that's uh, that's uh, what they're doing up there. But it was also like Maca, it, the police were on the border um, and it was sort of like Mexico uh, and America. Mm. Um, I was waiting because they had a police boat on the river and uh, I was waiting for the wetbacks to come across <laughs> uh, in New South Wales. Um but the whole the whole experience was just... You don't realise until you get out into the country just how, how, how brilliant it is.
3: No, and, uh, yeah, and that's probably the trouble at the moment. We can't get out into the country. We can't... Most of the borders are closed, aren't they? Certainly to New South Wales and probably to Victoria and, you know, and then people are going into Darwin. So we're all locked down really still, aren't we, in some way, Jonathan? Well...
7: Well, we are, and it's, uh, you know, hats off to the, the police doing their job. I mean, mm. it, it can't be easy, No and, and it can't be pleasant for them. But um, anyway, look, that was that was four days away from Melbourne. Macca on my way back, I called in to see a, a, a horse of my own, which I've just bred. He's a racehorse, so just keep your eye out for him. He's called Lockdown.
3: Lockdown.
7: Lucky <laughs> yeah, foot and uh, he's out of Shameless Award, so I'm looking forward to some exciting things.
3: Oh, Jonathan, good. I wish, yeah, well, I'll have to look, go to the Barmer Forest. I haven't been there for a long time um, in the Barmer Forest, and I didn't see the Brumbies, but uh, there you go. Thanks for telling us a lovely story, John. That's a pleasure, Macca. Cheers. See you, bye. Are you in Catherine Shep or...?
8: Yeah, Macca, uh, good morning. Good morning. Oh, I'm on my way up to Darwin, actually. I've just left the Hunter Valley um, because of the lockdown. We're relocating. I'm originally... Originally from Gippsland in Victoria, my pop used to listen to you every morning, every Sunday morning, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, I well from Gippsland lived in the Hunter Valley for well, I think ten years or oh, seven years, sorry. Then uh, travelled the country, did my my trade in Darwin, and I've loved it ever since. I've I've been back in the Hunter Valley for the last four years with my family, and then um, yeah, we thought let's go back to Darwin <laughs> Visit friends and family, and <laughs> we're, we're just gypsies and just jet set it off
3: what's your what's your trade ship
8: i'm a diesel fitter
3: all oh, right uh, yeah
8: i did my trade in darwin on the boats up there and uh, on the ships and and i've just been working in the hunter valley and the coal mines but um yeah i had to escape on thursday really because i wasn't supposed to leave until monday my wife and three kids are already in darwin actually it's my my daughter stevie's second birthday today so oh, wow. i'm glad i made it back for that yeah but um yeah i uh, had to jump across the border i my mum sent me a message on um, Thursday at about three o'clock and said uh, the borders are closing at one a.m. and uh, so I had to pack the rest of the U-haul trailer and put the dogs in the car and off I went and got across the border at uh, at about quarter to twelve, which is lucky. So yeah, nothing beats the warmth. <laughs>
3: no, well you'll be you'll be in Darwin later today if you're in Catherine now.
8: Yeah, that's right. I left. I woke up this morning. I was in uh, where did I stop? Daily Waters. Daily Waters. Two. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh stopped in for the, for a beer at the pub last night and then um, let the dogs have a bit of a run around and then I think I've got up at up past three this morning to um, just take off so I can be there when the kids wake up.
3: Good on you, Shep. Great to talk to you, mate. I'll see you in Darwin.
8: Thank you very much,
5: Macca, definitely.
3: See you, mate. Bye. Bye.
5: Hello, it's Damien from Melbourne.
3: G'day, Damien. How are you, Macca? Yeah, good. Got a I, of I got to
5: interview, I interviewed Dexter Kruger on my podcast, 100 Not Out. I interviewed him twice on episode 17 and 252. And uh-huh. I'm a nutritionist and a naturopath and a chiropractor, and I always thought that longevity revolved around good food, eating salads and poached chicken, you know. And um, he told me, he told me that before he went to bed at night, to help him get to sleep, he'd drink a cup of coffee, and I nearly fell off my chair. And then he said, um, he said that he'd have for morning tea and for afternoon tea, he'd have um, cake that the local la- the ladies from the local rotary would bring to him, and he'd just eat that after he'd worked out in the in, the, in his farm. And um, when I interviewed him in episode sixteen, he'd just or seventeen, he'd just finished. Writing a book, um, he was legally blind, but driving a tractor on his farm. He was such a nice man. He was, he was beautiful. So that's yeah.
3: that's destroying all this thing about eating chai and kale and all that sort of
5: stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kale smoothie, sitting in a corner by yourself. No, he was uh, he was a uh, he was pretty humble He'd have mashed potato and. You know, charred sausages. You know, there was no no <laughs> health food there. <laughs> the other
3: thing I've always noted is that that quite short people and quite tall people, like Gilbert, who used to ring us, he was about six two. But yeah. um, you know, Gal Braith, who I studied at uni, and Daniel Patrick Moynihan, six foot six, they live a lot. Tall people seem to live a long time. Ted Wheelwright, the Whitlams, and and short yeah. people too. I yeah. don't know. Was was Dexter be... short or tall?
5: Well, I think he was average, so that might have blown that average that one out. But he was just—he just was nice. He was just a nice, happy man. Thanks for that. Thanks, Maka. My pleasure.
9: Oh, hi, Maka. This is Jacqueline from Camden.
5: Hi,
3: Jacqueline.
9: Uh, my father is Johnny Gleeson, John Gleeson, who was a international five-eight who grew up in uh, Chinchilla.
3: Oh yes, in Queensland. Yes, yes. There you go.
9: So uh, yeah, he. Uh, as I've heard on previous calls, he um, when he finished his international career, he then went and coached at and Gladstone, and Pittsworth and Tar, and then eventually back to Chinchilla, which where we stayed for many years.
3: Uh huh. That would be nice living there in Chinchilla.
9: Chinchilla's a lovely town, a little bit, little bit different than when we were growing up, but it's still a lovely town.
3: The home of the fabulous River Rats.
9: <laughs> the River Rats, the Rugby Union team, <laughs> yeah. yes
3: the Chinchilla the, Brad,
9: Re- the Chinchilla Bulldogs the rugby league team and yeah. uh, of course the watermelon festival
3: exactly it's uh, i've been through i've always meant to do a program in you know on on the in the park there in Chinchilla it's a lovely town Chinchilla isn't it it is a it lovely is,
9: it pu- is lovely
3: country. area of Queensland it's beautiful
9: it is it is so yeah so um yeah my dad did, obviously grew up with his brothers and sisters in Chinchilla and uh, eventually he went on to play international rugby league and um but I'll, I'll just Point that um, when Mr. Quayle was talking about the international games, I, I saw in a book the other day um, the crowds that they had for the the '60s um, games. Like there were people on roofs of houses, people on roofs of the yes, grandstand. Exactly. The ladies were in hats, in gloves. Um, you, you couldn't you couldn't turn around. The crowds were just so packed, and, um, and the the showed me- a picture. Sorry.
3: No, it's all right. It's just the memories of that time are, are great, and you know, as you as you get older, I suppose. And um, you can see how now the world's changed, and I just think of you know going dancing or playing in a band as so I used to with, with a crowd of people on the dance floor dancing, and that just doesn't happen anymore. And and your memories of of those times and football matches and stuff, and the and the thing I liked about Jacqueline was when the when the Pommies came, which was great, and I loved them. You know, I didn't hate the pommes at all, <laughs> but but they played against New South Wales Country and they played Queensland Country mm. and. And they toured around just and that time will never come again, but the memories of that were just fantastic. Mm, mm, and, and and when I saw them and they came and played against my team at the cricket ground, they, they looked like they were like like from another planet. They just they just looked different. I thought these are sort of alien people, you know, and they were big and they were and they looked fierce and I don't yes. know. It was just, as a kid, I just thought how wonderful this is. But, you know, it's just, your yes. memories are great of those times. I bet you've got some rippers, Jacqueline.
9: Oh, yeah. We, we've, we've been told stories all our lives. But I'm one of six children as well, so we've got plenty of stories. But the one thing, I, you're talking about the English players there, one thing apparently they used to do is they'd either go for, like, Dad uh, straight up on the game or, say, like, Barry Muir or something, give them a, a bit of an uppercut. And then yeah. uh, Noel Kelly would come in from nowhere and, Take take them out, and then he'd be sent off in the first two minutes. And Dad would keep saying to him, "Please, just I'm all right. I'm you know, one of nine kids. I'm right." Kind of thing. But um Noel wouldn't take it. He'd go to get in there every time and got sent off all the time. So yeah, but yeah, look, it, it, we have lots of good stories, but and and,
3: um, and football was the was the glue that kept the little country towns wherever they were big country oh, towns even like yeah. Newcastle and and you know and uh, whatever the local foot football footy team in Shepperton or wherever it, it, they just keep the the whole place together or in Ballarat or whatever it's just part that's, of the that's fabric isn't it definitely
9: true it is and that that and tennis tennis matches on weekends as well things like that all the time yeah, yeah. All right. Well,
3: and what finds you in Camden? How come you're in Camden now, Jacqueline? That's a sort of oh. you've got an airport coming near you very shortly, haven't you? <laughs> Just down the road. Well
9: yeah, yes, yeah, up, up the road a bit. yes. Yeah. No, I'm I'm a teacher in Camden, yeah, at a, a school, a special school here that we love. And um yeah, so yeah, but um it's the, the border breaks have been difficult. Dad's in Gundawindi at the moment, so I have one of my brothers lives there in Condamine and Toowoomba, so they look after Dad and, condom- and Gundawindi windy there. So, but um, I hope to get up as soon as the borders.
3: Oh, don't we are open. all? Oh, you know, I long for the day. You know, it's like the memories of football in the sixties and seventies. along for the, the day when we can just get in the car and go.
9: Mm. Yeah, it's a bit tough at the moment, but yeah, uh, yeah but no, he's he's good. Thank you, have
3: got, <coughs> you haven't got you haven't got some um snow in Camden yet, have you?
9: No, we haven't. No, a bit windy this morning, but uh, I think that's going to be dying down. But uh, no, it's sunny. It's
3: okay. It's nice, lovely. The engine's lovely. No, yeah, nice to talk to you, Jacqueline.
9: <laughs> Thank you so much.
3: Kerry's in Oberon. Good morning, Kerry. Good morning, Macca. How are you? Good. Oberon's a cool place, ladies and gentlemen, around Australia. It's uh, New South Wales. It's sort of near Bathursty, sort of way. It's up and over the mountains. Is it cool there this morning, Kerry?
10: Yeah, it's a bit cold, not long out of bed, but looking out the window, there's plenty of snow about and there's flurries coming through, so I, the roads are closed around here at the moment. So we'll see what it brings. I think there's more coming,
3: yeah. 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 So, just tell me this quickly. Um, you've uh, always lived there or...?
10: Yeah, die-hard uh, Oberon Black Springs area. Yeah, mate. Uh, just Can I just touch on uh, Robin Gurley? Uh, I'm looking at the 1962... Sydney country game and opposite there is a bloke called Elton Rasmussen who you'd have heard about.
3: From Queensland? Um,
10: yes, well yep. he was in St George's uh, team in 1962. Yeah. We, we have a couple of villages here, Black Springs out one side and Edith and uh, of course we have the grudge matches back in the late 60s and we lined up against Edith. I had a couple of boys going to Sydney school down there and anyhow... After the game, there's this long striding bloke that was carving us up, sort of the ground wasn't level, he was getting a bit of pace coming down the hill, and <laughs> we,
5: couldn't
10: ha- we couldn't handle him, and uh, they just managed to beat us, but within the last 12 months, the captain of that team, who I'm good mates with, told me who it was boys for me that the Armstrongs had invited Elton Rasmussen up for the weekend and that's who was carving us up.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh there's lovely stories I don't know if you heard Jacqueline before from Camden and and football is a great glue for the community especially in a time like this but unfortunately you can't play that only the you know the big shots can play The you know, there's no sport is there of any sort really for um, most people in um in Victoria or New South Wales or probably South Australia as well, which is a great yeah. shame. It is the glue, isn't it? it? keeps communities together, I reckon, Kerry.
2: It
10: was the glue that kept us together through the 60s and 70s. We had, as I say, Paskins, Normie Brown, Captain Country a couple of years later. We had George Smith, who played for Australia here, and Lithgow had great players. There's Oberon and Lithgow players scattered through that country team. They beat City 188, 8 and you have a look at the City players. Carlson, Lumsden, Billy Bishop, <laughs> Don
3: Parrish, Ken Irvine. I suppose growing I how we beat them. <laughs> yeah, I suppose growing up in Oberon, yeah, uh, you, you're tough. You've got to be tough to live through snow and minus four every morning, haven't you, Kerry? <laughs>
4: She's
10: a bit sharp this morning. Oh, bet yeah, yeah. I bet it is. I promised uh, to come
3: to Oberon. I haven't been there. Um, I remember sending a, a few reporters up to do some stories years ago when I was producing some programs. But I'll get there, Kerry. I'll come and see you.
10: Well, we've, we've got a big dance coming up. I know you often talk about dances. My family's been listening for 50 years, and we had all these country dances around here in the little halls. We've got a big celebration of a massive hall at Black Springs. We play a bit of music. We might get you up and come and play with us. I'll let you know about it. It's, a, it's Two or three years off, though, I (laughs) don't know where
3: we'll be then. We'll be here. I'm not retiring like Dexter Kruger until I'm 96.
10: All right. I'll be back in contact with you. Good (laughs) on you. Thanks,
3: Kerry. Nice to talk to you. Jonathan rang this morning from uh, Port Phillip Bay, but he said he'd been over in the Barmer Forest to look at the the Brumbies came up when he was having a camp. But he said he's just bred a horse, a thoroughbred, Kel, and he said, watch it, Mac, it's called Lockdown. And it'll be racing. <laughs> it'll be a tear racing lockdown. Put your dough on lockdown, kids. Um, anyway, to Brooke's horse, the horse is safe and well, uh, but he's OK. Just thought I'd let you know, Tess. Good on you, Tess.
6: Hi, I'm Bruce Matiski, a guitar picker, travelling the world, playing my guitar. But when I'm home, I always pick on Macca. <music>